0: Hi, this is the Peterborough Currents Podcast. I'm Aisha Barmania.
1: And I'm Will Pearson. And
0: today we're uh, meeting together in my backyard uh, to continue our coverage of the 2021 federal election. And so Will has spoken to the three major party local candidates about their housing platforms. And uh, we're going to take you through today uh, what they said. We're focusing on housing for this episode because it's an issue that we have always had an interest in, and we cover a fair bit, and it's also shaping up to be one of the key issues in the campaign locally and at a national level.
1: Yeah, it's a really key issue in Peterborough. Um, housing was, the housing crisis was urgent before the pandemic, and it's even more urgent right now. Um, when I think of sort of, when I think of the housing crisis in Peterborough, I think of the the recent um, annual housing report from the United Way Peterborough that found that had this really found that the housing market in Peterborough has passed this really grim milestone recently, where for the first time ever, the average rents in Peterborough have risen so much that someone who makes $30,000 a year um, can't affordably pay for the rent in any, any type of apartment unit in the city, according mm. to the average rents. Jeez, that's bleak. Yeah, and... Uh, our own colleague Brett Troop at Peterborough Currents um, wrote this summer about how the the city's hot housing market is pushing renters out of their homes, sometimes right into homelessness, which is pretty depressing. And the city's homelessness numbers reflect this as well. The, um, the Built for Zero report cards that the city releases um, show that in the first six months of 2021, the number of people experiencing homelessness in Peterborough increased by more than 20%. So... Yeah, it's just uh, it's a big issue for Peterborough and the country um, and I think you know it impacts people that live on a low income especially but it impacts everyone um, even people that are relatively more privileged or have more resources um, a lot of them feel like their futures are being constrained by the housing market I know I feel that way um, and so I think it's something that is important to, to look into um, yeah so I, want, I started my conversations with the three candidates by trying to get a sense of how they situate themselves in this crisis. And I asked them to tell me how the housing crisis is impacting them personally, them or their families. Um, Yeah, and here's what Michelle Ferrari, the Conservative Party candidate, had to say.
2: Yeah. Great question. So um, obviously I have a lot of multi-generational people within my family, not just in my immediate family, but outside. So I have a lot of nieces and nephews who are just in that next, the beginning phases of their life. So they have, you know, decent jobs, um, healthcare, Ontario hydro, um, but they cannot purchase a home. Um, You know, it's, with an average, in, an average house cost right now sitting at $716,000, that's pretty unattainable for a young person. So it's definitely impacting them. Um, you know, that you also see some people who are wanting to live independently um, as they age, but not having that opportunity as well. So it's definitely impacting us. I mean, I was fortunate I got a house in 2018 um, before things really went bananas. So um, I've been okay. But there's, yeah, it's, it's definitely impacting a lot of people I know, and a lot of people in my family.
0: So that was Michelle Ferreri, um, who's the Conservative Party candidate. Next up, we have Joy LaChica, the NDP candidate, who makes reference to her recent move from Toronto to Peterborough.
3: The people that have had privilege during this this pandemic, and I being one, I, I, I didn't get evicted. I, did, I was, I was a, home, a homeowner recently in Toronto, uh, so I had options, but a lot of people don't have options. People who've had options have radiated out of the city because they don't care so much about the money they make. They want to live simply. They want to grow food. They want to d- decrease their carbon footprint because they, they see what's happening all around them. And, and that's what's been happening for a whole lot of people that I know. And I know that's been going on for me for some time now. So the housing situation is outrageous. The fact that that, that uh, in, in Peterborough, since December, uh, the cost of buying a home is 30% more than it was in the previous year. It's outrageous. And, you know, when in moving here and buying a house, I didn't pay those prices because it was before it all happened. And, and I, I just, I know that there's such a housing crisis here and I have new friends that I've made who are Trent graduate students and so forth. They can't even find a place to live reasonably at a reasonable price because there's been no impetus on the part of this liberal government to create new affordable housing.
0: Uh, Next up, we have Miriam Monsif, the incumbent Liberal candidate, who uh, talks about her history with precarious housing, uh, making reference, I think, to
4: her experiences as a refugee. One of the big lessons of COVID has been there are many people who don't have a place to call home. And when we told everybody to go home, shelter at home, work from home, learn from home, so that we avoid the spread of the virus. It really further highlighted just how many people in our community across the country don't have a place to call home. I certainly know what it's like not to have a safe roof over my head. Uh, And one of the reasons why our proposal uh, to move forward, to build more housing, to help young people buy their first home, to protect the rights of Canadians in the housing market means a lot to me is I know what it's like to go from shelter to social housing uh, to home ownership. Uh, and certainly uh, in our community, what I've seen over the past, what is it, 530 ish days of the pandemic, the face of downtown has changed. The challenges around homelessness and addictions and mental health challenges have really been highlighted uh, and just more visible uh these past few days and I, and i take that personally too this is this is my home this is our downtown this is our community and there can't be people here without a place to call home so our plan our plan is one that's in line with personal experiences of folks that we see all too often in our community and around the country
0: so as you were saying, well, the housing crisis impacts everybody in a, in a very personal level. So it's interesting to hear all the candidates talk about that. Um, when we talk about affordable housing, there's, or when we talk about the housing crisis, there's a lot of discussion of affordability and a lot of different aspects. Can you kind of break down what some of those aspects are?
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of our listeners, Will, have if they follow up the occurrence, will you know know that I'm interested in sort of drilling down into what affordable housing actually means, and when a project is promised by a government that says, "Oh, this is a new affordable housing development," it's really important to ask, "What will the rents be?" Because they're not always the same. Um, and so I wanted, I so the, the next question that I asked the the three candidates was, "What does affordable housing mean to them?" And how would their party ensure that there was more housing in Peterborough that was affordable to someone that makes minimum wage in Peterborough? We'll play all three clips back to back. The order that you're going to hear them in is uh, first Maria Moncef, then Joy Lachica, and then Michelle Ferreri.
4: That's a really good question, Will, and I know that 80% of the market rent definition is something that we've spoken about before. For me, it's about the entire spectrum of housing, from shelters for women and homeless folks all the way to home ownership. And our plan addresses that. First and foremost, we're going to build more housing so that people without a home right now have a safe place to call home. And there are many tools on the table to do that. For example, we're going to be offering municipalities, for example, like the city, uh about $4 billion to accelerate the pace at which we build more housing. One of the reasons why housing and rent is unaffordable in our community is because of the imbalance between supply and demand. There are many people wanting to live here for all the right reasons, uh, but this housing stock does not meet that demand. So building more housing, giving incentives to uh, co-ops, to nonprofits, as well as private developers, is going to address that
3: the the housing the housing platform um, is connected to um obviously the economy right and and so we know that Jagmeet and the federal NDP have have been talking about needing to create new affordable housing projects Um, you know we heard him talk about senior senior care and seniors residences yesterday and how there needs to be, you know, he promises, and he well, he's been stating that we we would hope to have a publicly um, publicly created, publicly developed, publicly funded uh, senior housing strategy, so that no longer um, would it be individual privatized um, uh, systems making money. Um, but it it would be to to meet the needs and it's publicly funded and with mechanisms that are consistent and standards that are in place so that we don't have the tragedy going forward in in long-term care facilities and seniors residents. We need housing that is safe. We need housing that is accessible for all ages from youth up into adults from every community and I know that Jagmeet has a plan for that to be publicly funded and and that care and compassion and all the elements of of good housing, urban planning, rural planning, city planning um, would would need to take place.
2: Yeah, so affordable housing is actually, uh, anybody can look it up, but I I think what needs to be clarified is is the meaning of what affordable housing is. I'm pretty sure it's 80% of fair market value. So as you can imagine if the fair market value right now if the average inco- or the average house is selling for $716,000, that's 80% of that. So affordable actually means what you can afford, but the people are not being able to afford it. So it's kind of a it's kind of a misleading term in a lot of ways. It should be whatever you can afford. But right now, for a lot of people, like you mentioned on minimum wage, how are they supposed to afford that? So I think there's a, there needs to be a, a distinction between low-income housing and affordable housing. So in terms of... Um, so, in terms of creating more, to answer your question about what Conservative Party will do in terms of affordable housing, um, we're going to be opening, building a million new jobs or a million new, million new jobs too, but a million new houses um, across the country. So that's going to be helpful. I think the other key is um, letting you know, getting government out of the way and letting people build. So we have some incredible people within our community who are doing great work and have been for a long time. They know how to build houses. Um, they're ready to build houses. But they need the red tape removed in order to do that.
0: So we heard there the candidates started to run through their plans on getting more housing built. Um, what are the actual like numbers and timelines for that?
1: Yeah, each of the major parties are promising like a different number of units that they hope to see built um, within a certain time frame. Um, the Conservatives are promising a million new homes in, in, in three years, the Liberals 1.4 million in four years, and the NDP 500,000 over 10 years. But they're not the same kinds of units. Um, the Liberals and the Conservatives aren't specifying that those will be affordable units necessarily, and the NDP are committing to or setting a goal, I should, probably more likely, of building 500,000 affordable units in particular. Um, and I think it's also important to point out that um, in Canada we're already averaging more than 250,000 new homes built every year. Um, and so these the commitments from the Liberals and the Conservatives aren't on top of that. It's you know, So over three years, we would expect more than 750,000 homes to be built. And so to promise one million in that time is really only promising an increase of about 200,000. And that's something to keep in mind as well.
0: So they're all promising more units. How are they going to do it?
1: The housing platforms, are, there's a lot of planks to them. And so I'm just going to pick out a couple of the ones that I think have the potential to be the most um, impactful for each party. Um, The Conservatives are focusing on um, tweaking rules to enable the private market to build more housing and build it faster. And so, for example, they're suggesting that they would tie any transit funding that the federal government gives to municipalities to a requirement to increase the density around that transit. Um, So the idea being, this would be one way to encourage municipalities to zone properties to be more dense, which we know is something that needs to happen if we're going to get more housing built. Um, Because especially in big cities, single family zoning is really constraining the amount of housing that can be built in our cities. So I think that's a cool idea. And they're also suggesting reviewing the property that the federal government owns and releasing 15% of it for housing development. Hmm. And then for the liberals, one of the biggest ideas that they're proposing to get more housing built is what they're calling a housing accelerator fund, which is a four billion dollar fund Um, That would be money provided to municipalities that they could use to speed up the the permitting processes and the planning processes um, and the approval processes for new housing developments. Um, Because one of the reasons why new housing developments happen so slowly is because um, they can run into log jams and delays in municipal governments. Um, And so that's sort of what the Liberals are proposing. To do, um, and they're also proposing to increase the funding to the National Housing Co-Investment Fund, which is part of their National Housing Strategy. It's already um, operating, uh, and they want to double down on that and increase the funding that they give to to that program.
0: Okay, and um, what about the NDP?
1: Yeah, so the NDP uh, setting a goal of building five hundred thousand affordable units over ten years. Um, no specificity on how affordable, but they say affordable, um, and they want to do get this done by really focusing on helping nonprofits, cooperatives, and social housing providers to build new, build more units. Um, and they're suggesting setting up like a fast, what they call a fast start fund, that would uh, increase their capacity to help them access funding um, to build more affordable housing. And then the NDP is like the Conservatives saying that uh, they would like to take a look at the property that the federal government owns and see which ones can be released for for housing development as well.
0: Okay, neat. So some interesting ideas, kind of particularly looking at funding and financing and also interesting ideas at the municipal level. Do you think these plans will have any impact in Peterborough specifically?
1: It's hard to say. Um, One of the reasons it's hard to say is that all of these plans are, are still pretty vague. And it's hard to get a sense of like what they would look like in practice. Um, but, you know, to kind of go through the party by party again, um, the Conservatives' idea to release federal land for housing um, seems like a great idea. I wonder how effective it would be in Peterborough, where the federal government owns uh, the armories downtown, um, that like post office depot on Rye Street, and then also the the Trent 7 waterway. So I don't know that like those properties are ready for housing development. Um I don't know, maybe we can talk about, like, a national houseboat strategy for the Trans-7 waterway. But, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. And then the, their idea to tie transit funding to increased density, um, it strikes me as a great idea, but it, it strikes me as one that might be more tailored to the bigger cities. Um, yeah, so I don't know what impact that would have in Peterborough. For the Liberals, um, sort of the, the, the money that they're suggesting giving to municipalities to help them speed up the permitting processes, um, maybe. I, I, I know that developers in Peterborough say that one of the things that's like City Hall slows them down in their efforts to build housing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that might help. It's really hard to say though, because it's that program is laid out so vaguely in the platform that it's just hard to make, make out how it would work. Um, but the idea the idea is, you know, it's compelling. Um, and then for the NDP, you know, I believe really strongly that we do need a big public investment in non-market housing, um, like co-ops, nonprofits, and other kinds of social housing providers that are outside of the private market. And so I was keen to see that in the NDP platform. In Peterborough, um, you know, the Mount Community Center is a good example of a housing nonprofit that has had a lot of success recently at, at building housing, but like also just like building community. Um, so that's an example of a nonprofit that's been successful, but there have also been nonprofits in Peterborough, housing nonprofits that have failed and recently and not been that successful, probably because they've been under-resourced, but it does make me wonder whether the nonprofits in Peterborough have the capacity right away to deliver the kinds of units and the number of units that we need. Um, and so that's something that I asked Joy LaChica about. Here's a little bit more of my conversation with, with Joy. You mentioned the, this idea to do publicly funded seniors' housing. Uh, I noticed in the NDP platform of um, reliance on sort of uh, investing in co-ops and nonprofit housing providers. That's right. Um, to deliver, you know, a goal of five hundred thousand units over over ten years. Um, I'm wondering. I, I know that a lot of the sort of the housing nonprofits in Peterborough um, have been struggling, and they they've, they've been under resourced for a long time. They don't have a lot of capacity, and. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not sure that just um, offering them more money is, is is enough to to help them to deliver the kind of housing that we need. So I'm wondering how you would work with those nonprofits locally, either ones that already exist or new ones, to um, to get that housing built quickly.
3: So if there's a will, there's a way, and and if there's a presence, there there is a way. So you know, certainly I'm hearing that. There hasn't been a presence um, federally. That that the liberal the liberal representation has has not been here as much, and that you know it's, there's a, some jurisdictional um, blurriness or you know or you know finger pointing. Well, that's federal, and there's federal money for this and provincial money for that. Municipal, it, it the money and and the the funding um, is is sort of cross jurisdictional. So you know part of the the purpose of of the, you know what we need to do to elect an ndp government here is to get all of the stakeholders together at the table to to make sure that the co-op housing and and the working with nonprofits that we really fine tune and see what's been missing and 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 what needs to be done in order to kickstart and get all the pistons firing in a coordinated way so i'm excited to you know attend the city council meetings and to uh, and which I have been already. And it's exciting to hear about the transit, ch- the changes in the transit plan and, uh, you know, moving to more towards a more grid system and, and the new cycling uh, template that's happening. You know, it's, it's, it's never perfect, but we all, all are working towards incrementally a better plan. So I'm excited to sit in city council every single time. You know, even if it's online, to, to be able to hear what's going on, to hear about the progress that's happening and to troubleshoot what is it that we need to do to get that co-op happening, uh, no. housing happening quicker and, and to, to work with um, the, the, the stakeholders that, that have been providing it currently so that we can make it better. And I know that's what Jagmeet has as his plan on a, on a federal level. And certainly that would be my desire to bring that to Ottawa to make sure all those coordinated pieces are, are in action.
1: Yeah, so I, I was excited to read that focus on co-ops and nonprofits in the platform. But yeah. I, I know that going forward, the private market will still have a role to play in, in contributing to solutions to, to the Absolutely. housing crisis. And I'm wondering how you uh, see the private market fitting into um, to these discussions and how you might uh, like to see, yeah, see them contribute solutions.
3: Well, you know, a magazine that I always subscribe to um, and do is Spacing, and I I think about urban planning and and people like Jennifer Kiesmat, who are speaking right now um, to the media about how we need to revision our our cities, how we need to revision our towns and communities, um, given that we're still in a pandemic and and facing so much more in the fall. And and this is what needs to happen. These kind of discussions need to occur, and, and we need to talk about um, long-term goals, um, what we hope to see by a certain time. And, and then we need, because this isn't going to just be fixed in the snap of a finger with a change of a government. This is going to have to be people listening to one another, recognizing all the strengths that we bring to a ta- the table, whatever our party stripe. This is, not a partisan, this is not a partisan problem to solve. This is a community problem to solve. And we're all parts of a community that will contribute to solutions.
1: So that was Joy Lachica talking about um, the NDP's vision to help co-ops and nonprofits build more housing, um, and also sort of the role that the private market might also play in in uh, getting more housing built in Peterborough. Um, I also asked Michelle Ferrari, the Conservative candidate, to help me sort of localize. Um, localize the national conservative platform and what to help me understand what it might look like in Peterborough. You mentioned the five point plan for for building a million new homes. Which of which of those policy planks do you think will be most effective in Peterborough?
2: I think all of them but I think that I think the access right to be able to build more Right now, like we were supposed to have 2000 homes built right by the beginning of August. And we haven't been able to achieve that. So I think there just needs to be a lot more red tape removed. I've talked to builders in this community across the board, some building sort of low income up into affordable and they're ready to do the work They're They've been doing it. Some of these builders have been doing this work for over 30 years. They know what they're doing. They know how to do it. We've got great sustainable models where you're using uh, social financing like the Mount. So it's really that in a local level, it's about getting out of the way Letting people do what they need to do to help the people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems a, a key theme in the conservative platform is yeah, getting out of the way and enabling the private market to build more housing more quickly. Um, but there wasn't in that plan. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there wasn't any um, point made about sort of how like how much that housing would cost and whether it would be affordable or not. So I'm wondering how. You know, how you feel we can rely on the private market to deliver the kind of housing that low-income Canadians need and can afford?
2: Well, I think that comes down to a lot of relationships within the community too, right? I think you're always going to have federal conversations and you're going to have local conversations, right? A big federal overlapping umbrella policy is, you know, we've got a plan. We're going to secure the future. We're going to stop foreign investors. That's a really key component. I, you know, I just came from a meeting about that. We have a lot of people coming in and driving up the cost of our houses because of foreign investments, right? So we're going to really clamp down on that. That's, That's not okay. The other issue is inflation. Right. So when you look at bringing down the inflation rate right now, the cost of food, I mean, I'm feeding three, sometimes six kids a week. Um, That's astronomical. Seniors on fixed incomes. So we need to get inflation under control and we need to have a long term plan. I don't know that we'll ever get housing to go backward, but we certainly um, need to stop it where it is right now. What
1: role do like co-ops and nonprofits and other and publicly owned housing um, organizations play in your vision for how to solve this problem?
2: I think they're critical. I think collaboration is key, right? And I think I think you have to always look at what the common goal is, right? And I think the common goal is to get people. People deserve homes. People deserve a place to live, whether that's through rent or whether it's owned. Um, we all have to work together. And I think that's really the key component when you look at how we operate and what are we doing to support each other, right? a lot of people want to say, oh, this government doesn't talk to this government or that's a municipal problem or that's a provincial issue or that's a federal issue. And it's true. Like each um, level of government definitely has their own, um, has their own issues that they have to be in charge of, but we really have to collaborate and we have to listen to people who know how to solve these issues.
1: Hmm. One of the things that caught my eye on the platform was the idea to, incentivize landowners to donate property to community land trusts, mm-hmm. um, modeled off of like the, the way that ecological gifts are now treated. Um, I bring it up just cause you were mentioning the, the role for like community land trusts or co-ops or mm-hmm. nonprofits. That's the, in the platform, that's the only mention of those kinds of alternative um, organizations. Um, the, the platform does seem focused on opening up the, the process for private developers. So if, if you think that the nonprofits will play a critical role, were you concerned to see that be the only sort of mention of them in the platform?
2: No. And I think, you know, what a platform, like I said, you're going to have a national strategy but then on an individual community level for peterborough Kawartha, you're definitely going to have to pivot and, and customize it to fit your riding, right? There's a lot of Canada, a lot of variation across the country. And so obviously you're going to have a general overview, but hopefully what you can do here on your own level is, is implement those ideas and policy around that to make sure that people are getting what they need here in peterborough Kawartha.
0: Um, so, uh, Ferrari mentioned the, the Liberals' goal of building 2,000 units in Peterborough over two years. Um, take us back through what that promise was.
1: Yeah, so that's a goal that Mayor Terry and, and Maryam Monsef set together in 2019 during the tent city encampments in Victoria Park. Um, to be honest, I felt that the goalposts for that commitment were never really that firm. Um You know, did the units have to be built and then occupied by residents within two years or maybe just like approved and funded within two years? That was never really clear. Mm -hmm. How affordable would they be? That was never really made clear. So it's hard to like go back and be like, has that promise been uh, met or not? Um, Here's what we can say, though. Um, During the campaign right now, Miriam Montseff is running on the Liberals' record of having built, renovated or subsidized um, nearly 1,700 units locally since 2015 um but renovating and subsidizing units aren't the same as building units um and so i asked monsef if she was happy with the progress so far towards building more affordable housing units in peterborough so in the 2019 election campaign you said that the liberal government had a plan to build 2000 new affordable units in peterborough um and the, the national housing strategy has been like the main vehicle for for realizing that goal um mm-hmm. So far, the national housing strategy has supported the construction of just over 200 housing units in Peterborough, and not all of those units have any affordability requirements. Um, so, I'm wondering if you're if you're satisfied with the the level of construction that the national housing strategy has delivered for Peterborough so far.
4: So, let me clarify, and I'm just pulling up my notes here. Uh, in Peterborough, Kawartha, we've supported more than 1,700 units of affordable housing that's rent to gear that's accessible units we've brought in 65 million dollars in investments just you know this year we brought in 40 million dollars in investments through the national housing strategy and we've been able to partner with folks like the um Court of participation project with Habitat for Humanity, for the Mount Community Centre, the Ontario Aboriginal Housing folks. And what's left now, there's a really exciting, ambitious plan, as you know, with the city of Peterborough to build around 1,400 more units of affordable housing. And the, the city is going to determine when those shovels go in the ground. But, you know, I've seen this proposal, I've been briefed on it, you know, about three years ago. And when the city is ready to go, I'll be there. I'll be there to go after it hard and make sure that we get our fair share of housing in our community as well. So the housing strategy is working, it's delivering for people in Peterborough. But now it's time to, uh, particularly post COVID, to step it up and to seize these opportunities. And, you know, there's a tendency for risk aversion, uh, but this is not the time for that. People without a home can't work from home. People without a home end up staying in abusive relationships because where else are they going to go? Kids without a safe home are not going to get the best start in life. And our elders also need more opportunities. So there are tools on the table. There's a proposal for another 1,400 units, which I've been waiting restlessly for. And when the city is ready to move forward with that, I'm all in.
1: Yeah, and just to clarify for our listeners, the the discrepancy between these numbers. I know that that seventeen hundred number includes uh, units that were renovated with uh, with mm-hmm. federal, federal support. So, you know, I think that when we hear a promise about building two thousand units, I don't I, I don't think that means renovating units. It means you know building new units. And when I talk to folks at the city about solving homelessness, they say one of the challenges is we just don't have the units. Um, right.
4: Can I clarify something there, Will? If we don't renovate those units, we lose that stock. So we end up having fewer units. And if we don't count those units that are not gonna be renovated or that are renovated, our math will be off. So I actually think it's really important to include the units we subsidize, the units we build, and the units we renovate, because all of that addresses the availability and the accessibility and affordability of housing in our community.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Um, so I've spoken to some affordable housing developers in Peterborough who said that the application process for accessing the money through the national housing strategy is so onerous that they just don't have capacity to do it. When I spoke to Councillor Keith Riel of the city, he said that the city assigned four staff people to fill out the paperwork just to get the, the Brock Mission loan. Um, so I'm wondering what would a re-elected Liberal government do to make this process easier for the kinds of community-based housing providers and nonprofits. Um, that don't have the resources and maybe don't have the capacity to to access this money it seems?
4: That's a really good question. And I would say for nonprofits particularly, we've offered seed funding so that they can hire somebody. So like $50,000 to hire somebody to write that application process to go through the due diligence for these significant infrastructure projects. So we've allowed um, for a new stream in the national housing strategy to do that. And folks in our community are taking advantage of it. The reality, Will, is our challenge in this community, you know, isn't, isn't necessarily the program itself, because we've built really strong relationships with CMHC. So there's a CMHC person and an entire shop in and folks in Ottawa who know very well the opportunities and challenges in Peterborough. That's a plus for us. The city, um, it was, and it was the mayor through through her meeting a couple of years ago, uh, did something they'd not done before, which is assign a a person to do this work, a one-stop shop for developers to go through City Hall and get the applications and get through the red tape. So there is the, the municipal component of it as well. And of course, when we've put forward applications in our community, we've been successful. That said, there is communities like Hamilton. Hamilton dreamed big. And just recently they got about 145, let me find, they got $145 million to build 6,000 new units of housing in one go. It's possible for our community to do the same. And I think that coordination that that is needed with City Hall, the coordination with CMHC, what I bring to the table is a lot of handholding through the process and advocating for these projects. I'm all in. Uh, I think part of of what nonprofits and co-ops particularly will appreciate is that seed funding that creates a job for somebody to then go through the application process so that the Indigenous consultation piece, the environmental assessments, the zoning conversations, all of that happen in a good way so that the projects are not stalled. So we just
0: kind of went through uh, those three candidates on uh, how their platforms will affect Peterborough locally. Let's zoom out, um, and I kind of want to ask for your thoughts on this. Do you think the platforms are sufficient on a national level?
1: I would say that of the th- the three major party platforms on housing, I don't think any of them are sufficient. Um, I don't think any of them meet the moment or bring enough resources um, to respond to the level of crisis we're facing right now on housing. Um, that said, there's good ideas in all of them. And I think that if you put all of those good ideas together, you might be getting somewhere. Um, so in the conservative platform, the idea of trying to like spur private development by tying transit money to increased densification in cities, I think is a cool idea. Um, and just generally their focus on enabling the private market to build more market rate housing. Um that's something that needs to happen. As important as affordable housing is, we also just need more market housing. Um, you know, I, I said already in this episode that I think we need a lot more money, public money, to for nonprofits and co-ops, and I was happy to see that in the NDP platform. Um but I think each of those two parties are kind of like missing what the other one has. Um, I would love to see the NDP platform also have some planks around, okay, how are we going to spur private development of market rate housing? Because that we need that. Um, and I wish that the conservative platform had a little bit more focus on co-ops and nonprofits and, and that kind of housing provider. Um, I think the liberal idea to provide funding to municipalities to speed up the permitting process is a good one. Um, just just based on what I hear from developers in Peterborough, that that is a barrier they face. And developers will tell you that the longer it takes them to shepherd a project through the, the approvals process, the more expensive it's going to be for renters in the end because that's more time that they're paying mortgages on properties that don't have revenue. And so they're going to try to make that up by raising rents. So that it was interesting to me. But there's also pitfalls in all of the platforms. And one pitfall in particular that I see in all three of the party platforms, and they all do this, is they... In order, as a as a way of making it easier to purchase houses, they're trying to make it easier to access mortgages and bigger mortgages. Um, and so they're all doing this in different ways. Um, the Conservatives want to remove some of the stress test requirements on mortgages and increase access to mortgage insurance. Um, the NDP wants to reintroduce thirty-year mortgages, and the Liberals also, like the Conservatives, want to increase um, access to mortgage insurance. And all of these ideas might make it easier for an individual or a family to buy a house, but you know, if we think about one of the problems facing us right now is this what Monsef called the imbalance between supply and demand, you can bring prices down by increasing supply or lowering demand, and by making it easier to borrow money, you actually increase demand. There's more money available for people to bid on houses, right? And so I think that all of those kinds of uh, measures actually stand to make housing more expensive um and i think i also see in a lot of the discourse in this election this sort of tension between well how do we make housing more affordable for people that don't own houses yet um if while also protecting the equity of people that already own houses Um, And that's another tension that I see in the discourse right now around housing. Um, And I think all of the parties are trying to struggle with that. Um, I've seen a lot of people talking about, like, reading this as a kind of, like, class conflict between homeowners and renters. And I don't know if that's particularly helpful, because I know that lots of people that own homes also have loved ones that don't um, and would like to see housing prices become more accessible for people. Um, You know, my mom owns a home, but she wants to see housing prices go down for my sake. Um, so I don't know if that kind of a framing is, is helpful, but there is a tension between the interests of homeowners and the interests of renters right now that I think we need to kind of grapple with. And so I wanted to ask our three candidates um, whether they thought housing prices did need to fall and would it, would it be a good thing if housing prices went down?
4: Yes, and we are, and that's what's on the table. The the banning of blind bidding is the first major tenant of the commitment to bring down the price of housing. In addition to that, we're going to establish a right to home inspections so that people aren't just able to bid on a home, sight unseen and get it or the other way around. They're told no home inspection, take it or leave it. And then they get a a home stock that is not uh, particularly helpful. Uh, There's a requirement uh, proposed for real estate agents to disclose all participants in a transaction when they're involved in both sides of the sale, and again, that'll help bring down some of uh, that uh, pricing.
3: Absolutely, it's this is this is beyond what should be, and and it needs to be, and it, it, it's like it's like a racehorse that's out of the gate and, 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 and we need to stop, we need to stop it because it's not okay that this, this race is going on. And you know, we, before there is more damage and loss and uh, um, just access that is obstructed to good housing um, for everybody, um, it, needs to be, it needs to be stopped.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think a housing crash or a market crash there is probably good for anybody. I don't think that's going to work, right? Um, It's tough, right? Because then the people who have bought in this market at those prices, now they've lost their equity, right? So you really have to make sure you're not leaving anyone out.
1: So I thought that was an interesting contrast in the three answers with uh, Mary Monsef and Joy LaChica both saying that housing prices do need to fall, um, and Joy LaChica in particular seemed pretty emphatic about that, um, but Michelle Ferrari expressing a little bit of nervousness around what that might mean for people that already own homes. Important to remember that this isn't just about um, homeowners that and potential homeowners. Um, the price of a house influences how much rent is in a community. Um, And so it does uh, influence uh, the whole housing market across the spectrum.
0: Um, So we've talked for a fair bit about this, but is there anything else you wanted to cover? Any final points you wanted to make?
1: Well, I I think it's important not to lose sight of just the significance and the meaning of these issues in people's lives. It's easy when you talk about housing policy, it can sometimes feel kind of abstract and it's kind of like distant, um, especially when you're talking about like market forces, and like we can have a conversation about whether we should even be providing housing using the market, but um, we do. And so that's, you know, we do need to sort of grapple with those kinds of forces. Um, so I think it's important to remember that we're talking about policies that impact human beings on a really basic level. Um, the current liberal government did vote to formally acknowledge housing as a fundamental human right. And I have lots of questions about what that means in our community where, you know, there's a bylaw that makes it illegal for people to sleep outside in parks, even while our homeless shelters continue to ban people from accessing their services. So I have a lot of questions about sort of what it means to say that housing is a human right when that kind of thing is still happening in our community. Um, And so I wanted to end my conversation with the three candidates by asking them, What does it mean to you um, to say that housing is a human right? And how do you want to see that right realized more fully in Peterborough? And I thought that would be a good way to end our podcast as well. So here are their answers to that.
3: Thanks, William. Um, And in my role as um, a delegate to the Canadian Labour Congress and as an ADFO executive member, I've been to the United Nations Committee on the Status of Women I've been a delegate every, every year and gone to New York in the time that I've been elected. And, and every year um, we, we look at and we revisit the seven, the, the 17 goals uh, for a sustainable future, um, the United Nations sustainability goals. Um, so, and I'm part of the team that, that writes um, um, an analysis of where we've come since the previous NCSW. And, and then we make plans and, and assess our short-term goals for the future. Housing is one of those, those human rights. So this is part of my lens, and it has been for a long time, that, that those um, 17 goals for a sustainable future that the United Nations talks about, you know, and everything, and I can, I can list them all for you, but everything from, you know, poverty to um housing, to, to clean water for all. It, it, there's a the Children's Bill of Rights as well, but there are 17 and they're all so integrated and housing is top of the pile. Um, I intend to um, keep my ear to that track and you know, United Nations Committee for the Status of Women and the 17 Goals for Sustainability so that we can meet climate targets before 30, 30, uh, 2030 and that we can make that happen Now, no more gradual
2: transitions. I think you're right. I think if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right, and I think working in poverty reduction and working with people who will work in poverty reduction, you can't get to a job, you can't get to anything if you have so much stress of housing and food. It is a human right. Right. And we can't, and it's a smart, um, it's a smart decision and investment to invest in people to make sure they have the basic needs of life. So I, I think it's really important. And I think the difference, you know, is, is having a plan to execute that. I mean, we can all think it and ideology is great, but if we don't have a plan to execute it and to support people. And I think that's why our job creation aspect as well within our five points is really important because we're offering subsidization for employers to hire more people. The longer we know, the longer you're off work, the longer you're off work, right? So I think incentive incentives are very powerful. I don't think punishing people works. I think incentives work, and I think uh, a lot of our platform shows that.
4: It's really hard to live a secure and dignified life without a place to call home. It's just really hard. And the right to a home can only be realized if all orders of government, municipalities, indigenous leadership, the province, and the federal government are working together to reduce red tape, to address risk aversion, to build more homes, and to help more people buy their first home to help the most vulnerable get into a safe home and to ensure that, uh, you know, for those who have additional needs, that they have the wraparound supports. We have what it takes in our community to house every single person who doesn't have a place to call home. We have what it takes in this community to build more homes so that more people, young people particularly, can get into that first home. We're closer to achieving that right to housing than we may realize.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Um, Thanks so much for doing all this work and bringing us this uh, reporting, Will.
1: No problem. Thanks for, for talking with me.
0: Music in this episode comes courtesy of Erica Nininger. Check out the show notes for a link to her band camp. This episode was produced by Will Pearson and me, Aisha Barmania. We are the co-publishers of Peterborough Currents, an independent local journalism outlet serving the Peterborough area. You can help make more reporting like this possible by becoming a financial supporter. Our reporting is free for everyone to read and listen to, uh, but it's not free to make. We really appreciate all the folks who help make our work possible. You can become one of those people by heading to our website and clicking the support us button. That's peterboroughcurrents.ca. Thanks so much for listening and bye for now.